Remember days we was down bad. Remember days we was down bad. I remember we was down bad. Welcome back, everybody, to this episode of the Being Technical Podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Aaron Bien, where I'm being technical, and obviously there is no practicality in this podcast. So you got to hear me rant and get these points across. Obviously, this episode uh, started a little bit. I know I just did an episode a few days ago, but this one, I had to do this one because there was a lot that happened and occurred this past week. That just was building up and building up and building up. And I just had to let this one go. For all my uh, listeners, appreciate y'all for tuning in. uh, Continuously supporting the episode and the podcast. For my new listeners, for those out there, I do appreciate y'all for tuning in. Whatever platform you are streaming this episode on. Whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or even straight from the Anchor app. Welcome. Anyways. On this episode, I do have at least a few key points that I would like to address that I'd like, you know, my thoughts and opinions on. Obviously, this past week, we had the highly anticipated versus, well, arguably my two favorite rappers growing up, starting from high school up until now that I still listen to to this day, Gucci Man, Jeezy, the highly anticipated versus... Had the whole country and even possibly the world tuned in. Because when you think about it, they were probably, arguably, the two most influential rappers in the early 2000s, in my opinion. With Jeezy and Gucci Man, And it just meant so much to the hip-hop culture. Having those two to even agree to a versus. Knowing their history. Obviously starting up together in Atlanta. Having a hit track. And then all of a sudden turned in into a deadly feud in which a simple beef over the song Icy, which I will get to later, in which the two rap, you know, featured on Jeezy, featured on Gucci Man. That was kind of like the catalyst for Gucci Man's career and kind of put Jeezy on. And then what came to that started a beef, ended up in one of Jeezy's homies, I guess, putting a hit. We put a hit on Gucci Man. And Gucci Man ended up killing the guy, and uh, he ended up beating the case because uh, in self-defense. Basically, starting over, started primarily over the diss track "Stay Strapped," in which Jeezy, for all those people, I'm sure everybody that's listened to that track, everyone's heard it. But for those that haven't heard it, uh, Jeezy does mention that he does put a 10k hit for somebody to take Gucci Man's chain. Obviously, you thought it was just a diss track. He was just making a diss. Ended up actually, allegedly, Jeezy sending a hit on Gucci, man, which started this whole 15-year feud. And then just to see them do a versus in which everybody 
everyone on social media was buzzing about. And you even had ESPN, LeBron. Everybody was tweeting about this Jeezy Gucci Man versus. And I'm not going to lie, I was tuned in and listening to the tracks. And honestly, it went just as I expected it to go. Gucci Man started off the, the verses with his original first diss. This is round one, Gucci Man versus Jeezy. And I was like, damn, I forgot about that track too. And then, you know, Jeezy took the whole diplomatic role, basically trying to brush off, you know, brush off the uh, feud he had with Gucci Man and trying to kind of steer, kind of steer it more of a, oh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go into his tick for tack because that was more of Gucci Man trying to bait Jeezy in and Jeezy trying to be, oh, I'm not, I'm ignoring that, 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 uh, the beef, the shots. I know that's what he wants me to do. He, he's, He's trying to get me to bait, and he just kind of just spun it off and was like, you know, I'm just going to go play my hits and started off just firing away with the hits. And I was like, this man really has some hits. And another thing I did notice is almost like it was not only just the Gucci Man Jeezy versus, but I feel like the DJs was going at it too. Jeezy's DJ was obviously giving Jeezy, as in DJ Ace, obviously was amping up Jeezy the whole night. Was like, what, what we gonna do, Jeezy? What we gonna give him? What we gonna give him? And he was kind of just like, kind of like building him up. And then Gucci Man, and obviously you started seeing the DJs go at it. First of all, Gucci Man's Jeezy, uh, Gucci Man's DJ, DJ Holiday. Big shout outs to DJ Holiday. Start. He was wasn't he spinning? Wasn't he mixing some shit up to start off the verses, the pregame to the verses, playing all the cuts, playing all the Atlanta music playing all the new tracks, playing the new artists of Atlanta, also mixing up with some of the old Atlanta artists, kind of bringing out Atlanta. I, I swear, Atlanta Atlanta is Wakanda. Atlanta is the modern-day, real-life Wakanda because that is, like, where every black person comes and is prospers and sees wealth and just that's where their career catalyst. Big shout-out to DJ Holiday once again. I had to give him a big shout-out for that. Anyways... Now, all of a sudden, then you knew Gucci. You knew Gucci was going to play Truth, right? That's when, that's when it really got, shit started getting real. And, again, Jeezy tried to spin it across. Was like, hey, man, we just let that go. And Gucci was like, nah, this is what we agreed on. Nah, I, ain't, I, I told you we was going to do this street, this street shit. And we all, I all agreed to this, so I was going to play Truth. And, man, if y'all did not hear Truth, Gucci was taking shots. He told Jesus, go dig your partner up. Betty can't say shit. Then he said, we, go, we smoking in a pokey low. And that was honestly, that was some disrespectful ass shit. And honestly, I don't even blame Gucci for being petty like that. Because if a motherfucker try to shoot me too and try to put a hit on me, allegedly, I'm going to be petty the whole night. Because that is just, that was just, even for Gucci Man to be man enough to go up and do that versus after that feud that almost puts your life in danger, that shows Gucci's growth. But you just started to see the old Gucci. That was not, Gucci is not a clone. Because that Gucci Man we saw out there, that is vintage old Gucci taking shots, taking, calling him out. And it was like, I think I seen a, I seen a tweet or somewhere I heard it was like, uh, that Gucci man's clone or Gucci man was like, that's like uh, the nutty professor trying to turn into buddy love or that. 
But if y'all watched that movie, I felt that was funny because it seemed like the old Gucci man. You almost saw like he was forming into the old Gucci man. But but when you really thought about it, when you looked at it from battle to battle, I know Gucci had a lot of... Gucci man is... He might not be mainstream popular, but Gucci man is a popular artist amongst Atlanta, and he put out a lot of artists. I mean, he is responsible for the careers of Young Thug, Nicki Minaj, Yo Gotti, Migos. The list goes on and on. I mean, Gucci man put set up a lot of people's careers, and he doesn't get the... The amount of credit on the mainstream level, but people that really do rock with Gucci, that have been listening to Gucci, that know Gucci, he is basically the godfather of Atlanta. So that is just something that's like he's almost like an unsung hero. He like I say he doesn't get the credit for a lot of the things he uh, he did for a lot of artists, but you see uh, that's why a lot of artists, a lot of people in Atlanta here really, really, really rock with Gucci Man heavy, just because he's an authentic, authentic guy. He's not selfish. He's willing to put put guys and put artists and rappers in uh, positions to succeed. Big shout out to Big Guap for that. But but when you get down to the to the nitty gritty of the verses, Jeezy just had too much firepower. I mean, the music. The man had three big albums, and now when I was listening to those songs, I know everybody. I feel like I should have wore a four X black tee and a snowman shirt to the verses. That's how. Memory, how much memories it brought back. Jeezy when he went started playing gangster music. Then he switched it on to All There. Then he went Put On. Then Soul Survivor. Then I, I Love It. Just the amount of music Jeezy, how many big hits Jeezy had is honestly remarkable. And what I didn't expect, which I was hoping for, was... You know, when they started talking, obviously Gucci was like, hey, man, I played in, you know, top of that, talking this, talking that. They were able to settle out to the end of the verses. And when you went to the verse, they ended up ending the verses playing Icy, which I thought was the the catalyst to the to kind of the being cordial. Kind of like we put everyone together. We put everything aside. We're going to play the song that put us all out. And I thought that was a key moment and not only the verses but in just hip-hop history in general just to say we were able to see a versus honestly when you really think about it if it wasn't for corona we might have never got a jeezy and gucci man to ever see each other again uh, a versus battle so i guess in theory you could look at covid playing a factor in somewhat gucci man and jeezy ending their feud and then on top of that then they went to the club to compound together Big shout out to AG once again for pulling that off, getting Gucci and Jeezy in the same venue. That was big. But like I said, that that had to have broken record. That had to have been a versus record. I mean, they were at like two million at one point. And this just just when you think about it, for all the two thousand babies, y'all will never ever see two artists, two trap rappers, tra- trap rappers have that much impact. On mainstream media culture, just hip hop culture, Snow- Jeezy with a snowman, Gucci man, and his influence on Atlanta. That y'all will never get to see that. Y'all will never. Y'all don't have rappers like that. So that sucks for y'all. But once again, big shout out Gucci, Jeezy, and when you talk about it in political terms, it was in political terminology. Gucci man did win the popular vote. 
But Jeezy prevailed and won the Electoral College just because of the amount of music and the amount of hits he had. Jeezy won that by default. But honestly, in my opinion, it was a tie just because I didn't think there was a winner. They ended it with Icy, and that was almost like it was a tie to me. So big shout out to Big Guwop and the Snowman. Thank you for letting me relive my high school days. And I still was playing old Gucci and old Jeezy to this day. Still banging it in my car. I think it's on my Spotify top list. And, and then after that, Jeezy did drop Recession 2. And Recession 2 was a, cult, was a hard, hard album. Obviously, it's not going not gonna to top the first Recession or Thug Motivation 101 or the Inspiration. But Recession 2, you start seeing Jeezy kind of go more of his more diplomatic influential motivational rap he went you know he kind of got away from his old trap rap and for those that didn't listen to that Jeezy album go check that out because you know I still I still rock I still fucks with Jeezy heavy just from Thug Motivation one-on-one he will always be one of my favorite rappers to this day anyways moving on obviously this past week the NBA draft was on and obviously, my beloved Timberwolves had the number one pick. It's almost like I, the NBA draft was like so subtle. Like I didn't even realize the NBA draft was this past week. I was like, oh damn, the NBA draft, damn the NBA draft today. All right, bet you know, the Timberwolves, my mess with Timberwolves on the clock. I'm like, all right, bet. All right, okay, okay. Let's see what we're gonna do. What we're gonna do? What we're gonna build around? How are we gonna build around D'Lo and Cat? What are we gonna do to make this team more relevant again? Okay, Ro- Rojas, he did some things. I was like, all right, bet. We're going to see what he got cooking. And honestly, when I saw the number one pick, I was like, man, they got a chance here to get my LaMelo Ball, who I've been talking about. If you've listened to my previous episode, especially the one with the episode with Barf. Big shout out to Barf from the Bleacher Report. We did talk about this a few months ago, and we're like, man, if the Timberwolves end up with the number one pick somehow, we should take LaMelo Ball. And then it was their chance to take LaMelo Ball. He was there for the taking. ESPN had him ranked the number one player in the draft. It was there for the Timberwolves for the taking, for taking a versatile. Not only he was a versatile guard, him and D'Lo could feed off each other and Cat. Once again, a player like LaMelo Ball, who can make the Timberwolves relevant again? Put him on prime time. Make them make, be a box office. Sell tickets in the, well, obviously not yet tickets because I don't know what the whole COVID thing, if they'll be able to have fans in the arena. But for the foreseeable future, they would have had a nucleus of Ball, D'Lo, Cat, Showtime in the Twin Cities. We'd have had some cooking. And what did they do? Just in Minnesota fashion, of course they pass up LaMelo Ball. And who did they take? They took Anthony Edwards. And honestly, to be honest, that was the most Minnesota Timberwolves pick. Just because he's another player that's not flashy. He's not, you don't know what he's really capable of. He looks like an athletic athletic freak who can go supposedly play defense. Uh, he's athletic. He can go to the hoop. Suspect shooter. He just has some some part of his game that I just don't like. And, of course, they take Anthony Edwards because the Minnesota Timberwolves drafted for need and not drafted the best player available. And I hope I'm wrong. I honestly hope Anthony Edwards succeeds here in Minnesota. But, honestly, 
when I read Anthony Edwards' report, um, bio and how he doesn't even like basketball, first of all, that's the crazy part. That is such a Minnesota thing to do that you, with the number one overall pick, you draft a player that's not, that doesn't even like playing basketball. The man wanted to be a football player, and we drafted a guy that doesn't even. So we, not only did we draft a guy that doesn't even like playing basketball over a guy, over a player that's been playing professional basketball since he was 14 overseas in LaMelo Ball, who actually loves the game of basketball, who has the confidence of the number one pick, say he was born to be the number one pick. You pass him up for an Anthony Edwards, who honestly, to me, in my opinion, He's just Andrew Wiggins with a QC chain. He's just Andrew Wiggins that's from Atlanta and hangs out with QC. I'm sorry. If he's a bust and LaMelo Ball is a baller, you're going to go back and be like, yep, that is definitely the Minnesota Timberwolves. That is exactly what they do. They miss up. They pass up on a entertaining basketball player because even if they don't win right away, they will be relevant. But something about Anthony Edwards just doesn't stick, stick out to me. I just don't see enough on film of him. I mean, he played at Georgia. First of all, Georgia wasn't even a good basketball team. They were sub-500 basketball team. And he was a one-shining star. And he, he's a very suspect shooter. He, he shot 29% in college basketball. A college NBA three. I mean, a college three-point shot. 29%. That's basically a mid-range jump shot in the NBA. He shot 29% from the college three-point line in a three-point shooting. He doesn't handle the ball, so we really only have true one, one true ball handler in a era of basketball that's more turning into a two-guard, small ball kind of basketball. You take a somewhat small forward who all coincidentally reminds you of Andrew Wiggins, a guy who also doesn't look like he even likes basketball. Just like Anthony Edwards, same physical tools, same potential, but doesn't look like he has the drive. I, I hope Anthony Edwards succeeds for the Minnesota Timberwolves. He has a very touching story. I read up on this story. I really hope he succeeds. Um, Dwayne Wade saying he, he was better than him. I'm sure he, he praised him. Obviously, a lot of people will say take the safe pick, but that is not what winning teams do. You don't make the safe pick. You go take the risk. You had the number one pick. Since Cat, other than Cat, this this franchise has not hit on a draft pick since Kevin Garnett. This team's been a team since 1989, so 31 years, and you've only hit on two draft picks? Two first-round draft picks? Are you kidding me? This is the same team, I kid you not. They passed up Steph Curry twice, and I, I will get back to that irony later. Because who did they pass him up for? They passed him up for Johnny Flynn and Ricky Rubio. Not only that, then you pass up the likes of Paul George. You've passed up, well, I, I don't know, I guess. But still, Paul George is a solid player. I don't know. I mean, he's kind of a choke artist. But still, whoever we picked, he's, I'm sure he's better than. He's, they've passed up Klay Thompson. They've passed up Giannis. And not only that, not only was that the, the other suspect move that they made, not only that, they pull out such a Minnesota move and they trade and bring back Ricky Rubio. We literally got rid of him for a reason. They literally got rid of him for a reason. They traded him away because he was not who they thought. And what did they do? 
They bring him back. That is such a Minnesota thing. Like, oh, Ricky Rubio, we loved you so much. He was a fan favorite. You know what? Let's bring him back. Let's bring back the old glory days. Just like when the Vikings brought back Randy Moss for that year when he was on his last leg. Like, oh, let's bring back the old days. That's what they did. They go bring back Ricky Rubio. They gave up the 17th pick. I guess in exchange, they did get two late first-round picks. But knowing the Timberwolves, they're not. None of those players are going to be going to be of any value they're not going to be any good because with the Timberwolves history they don't hit on first round draft picks anyway so in about three years those players will probably be gone anyways and honestly I don't even know who they drafted because I stopped tuning in once they passed up Lavallo Ball and then trading for Ricky Ruby I was like you know what I'm done with them because the Timberwolves do the Timberwolf things and their only saving grace I will give them to make up for a pathetic draft is they re-signed Malik Beasley who was all solid, a very solid guard for the Minnesota Timberwolves. But I swear to you, Minnesota Timberwolves, knowing the Minnesota Timberwolves, they're going to get this pick wrong. And obviously, LaMelo Ball going to Charlotte, joining up with MJ. They're going to be an intriguing team just because of the, the battle with Michael Jordan and LaVar Ball. I'm curious to know if they do end up playing basketball one-on-one. That is going to be another intriguing, intriguing storyline. Ah! I'm not going to lie. I wanted to see LeVar Ball in Minnesota. I wanted to see the Ball show be in Minnesota. I wanted to see them record a show in the winter. I wanted to see what LeVar Ball was going to be like in a Minnesota winter in February, how he was reacting. That would have been must-see TV. But Minnesota does not like to be relevant. They don't like to be box office. They like to be mediocre they live in mediocrity and again the Timberwolves are probably going to be irrelevant in about the next few years and I hope to God I am wrong I hope I am so wrong with my take right now I'm honestly I will be okay being wrong with this take but I can see Anthony Edwards being another Andrew Wiggins he's going to end up you know not caring as much I mean he's going from Atlanta Georgia to go be in Minnesota, no offense, I am from Minnesota, but he's going to have to go deal with a grueling winter. He's probably never dealt with a winter in his life. Now he's going to have to go in the frozen tundra, Bristol, brittle cold Minnesota winter and have to play for a bad basketball team who's probably going to be doing a lot of losing. And he might lose motivation. And you know what? He might even quit in five years and go sign with QC. That is my fear, and I hope I'm wrong, but that's what's going to end up happening. I see it. I just see it. The Minnesota Timberwolves. You're gonna, Lamelo Ball is gonna end up being a, a, a an All Star in this league. Anthony Edwards is gonna be end up being a glorified role player, and we're gonna be doing this all over again. Cat's gonna ask for a trade. Delo's gonna ask for a trade, and we're gonna be doing this rebuild all over again. Because you know why? It's the Minnesota Timberwolves. It's the Minnesota sports teams. They are allergic to prosperity. They live in the caves of mediocrity. And that is why they will never prosper. And I, 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 it is not even like one team. I can understand if it's one team, but it's literally all the teams since I've been watching them. They all hover around that mediocrity, borderline playoff team, give you a little, um, give you a little glimpse of hope, and then it comes crashing down when it matters the most. And to my next point, speaking of the Minnesota team, Remember what I told you about the purple team? Remember I told you how, you know, when they went on this winning streak, they reel you in and they give you a glimpse of false hope, thinking like, oh, my God, they can make this run. What did they do? 
What do they do? You see, I'm not even surprised. I'm not even upset. I'm I'm all upset for the people that bought into the hype, that bought into that false hope that they could make a playoff run. Because you know why? They're the they are the epitome, the definition of mediocrity. When they had a chance to make a run, you had three games in which you had the two and seven Dallas Cowboys at home coming off a three-game winning streak. And what you had a chance to go 500, and what do you do? You let Andy Dalton, who a backup quarterback, in which for a Dallas Cowboys team who in like five games scored 41 points combined, you let him hang 31 points on you in a must-win game, and you lose. Again, bad defense. They lose get like. They just know how to lose to bad teams. It's like they already lost to Atlanta, and now what do they do? They lose to another pathetic football team. I, 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 I swear to you, Mike Zimmer is allergic to defending backup quarterbacks. I swear any team that plays them, they might as well just play their backup quarterback. You know why? Because Mike Zimmer can't beat a backup quarterback for, to, to save his job. I don't know what He can't beat a backup quarterback. He let a backup quarterback with a struggling offense hang 31 points on his defense and let Andy Dalton march down the field and score a game-winning drive to beat you. You let them hang 31 points on you. How did I don't understand how people always give the this head coach excuse after excuse after excuse after excuse when he is the one that wanted this vet this young secondary. Do y'all not forget he they didn't want to sign a veteran corner because he thought he can coach these young kids up to being uh, a top unit. I bet y'all missed uh, Xavier Rhodes now and Trey Waynes and McKenzie Alexander. Y'all were talking all that shit. Oh, they're weak. They're this and that. I'm not going to. I was at fault. I did blame Rhodes. But now look at Rhodes. He looks like a pro ball shutdown corner again. Maybe it's the, Maybe y'all should start looking at that damn head coach. Y'all keep blaming him. Y'all keep letting him get away with his excuses. He's been here seven years and... Oh, but Aaron, he went 13-3, and we were one game away from the Super Bowl. How, how, long can you, how long can you hold on to that? Please tell me. How long are y'all going to let him get away with that? Does your job let you hang around for that one promotion or that one big sale, that one big accomplishment you did four years ago? No, because this is a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately business. I don't care what you did four years ago. I don't care what you did three years ago because his philosophy is out of date. His philosophy has no room for error. And once one thing goes wrong, it does not work. He wants to play good defense, time of possession, control the clock, and that's how you want to win. And so when you can't run the ball, we look, we look a mess. And when we can't play good defense, we're like, oh my God, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? Oh my God, we, we, we can't get stops on defense. Oh my God, we can't run the ball. What do we do? In a passing league, he wants to play ball control in which we can't play good defense in which teams have figured him out. Once again, he, another coach he can't beat, Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy owns Mike Zimmer, just like every other coach in the NFC North except um, whoever coaches the Detroit Lions. I feel like that's the only team he can ever really truly beat. Sure, he beat the Bears and the Packers once this year, but they still own him. He still can't beat those teams on a consistent year-to-year basis. Again, we're four and six. Everyone's got the same issues going on, whether it's injuries, whether it's opt-outs. But again, 
losing to a bad team. Mike Zimmer is good at losing to bad teams. He's good at letting down his defense let down to backup quarterbacks. They constantly give up leads. They've given up three leads so far this year. He has his team underperform. Okay, we had a little run where uh, where we had a little three-game winning streak. That's because we have Dalvin Cook. And again, in the two-minute, that's why I said it's a r- little room for error because when it was a two-minute drill and teams know we can't run the football and they know we have to pass all the way down, they're just like, you know what? They can't. We're not scared of them anymore because you know why they can't run? Dalvin Cook's no longer a threat, and that is why they lose in the end every single game because you haven't been running, you haven't been mixing it up, you haven't been passing. Everything relies through the run game like this coach wants, and when it doesn't work, that's what happens. And honestly, if y'all want to keep letting him coach for the next five years, go right ahead. I don't care, but you're going to keep getting the same results. This is, once again, for the new fans, I've been watching this. Like I said, I am not calling this team by their name until 2021, and this is for the reason why when all the chips when it matters the most, you had the primetime slot, 4 o'clock game, America's Game of the Week, when you had a chance to make a serious push, three games. You had three next, next three games at home against a pathetic 2-7 and seven football team, and you lose the game. You're, you can't beat a backup quarterback. Good job. Good job, guys. So keep supporting this mediocrity with this head coach. If y'all want to keep riding around with this guy and you're going to keep being eight, you're going to teeter. There's a reason why we're always eight and eight, nine and seven. There's a reason why he's an every other year coach who makes the playoffs. I, th- that's, that's what you're going to get. That is what you're going to keep getting every single year. So if it ain't next year, because he that little three game winning streak he had saved his job, and y'all gonna for y'all support this coach. Keep on supporting him. He's gonna let you down next year, and then when we have to fire him, when we could have fired him this year, there's some good coaches out there, guys. This is you might not have a plethora of coaches available again in the future. You got Eric Bieniemy is gonna be available. Jim Harbaugh is gonna leave. I know Michigan's not looking good, but Jim Harbaugh is an NFL coach. The last time we seen him as an NFL coach, he was leading the San Francisco 49ers to three NFC Championship games. So a coach that went to three NFC Championship games and a Super Bowl even got fired from his job in San Francisco. But y'all let this guy keep keep keep, keep his job because he because he got to the NFC Championship game off a miracle play that only with a one percent chance of winning, in which in that game he gave up a lead. Blew a 17-point lead as defense and got bailed out by a miracle play. And then again last year, defense blew a lead, double-digit lead in the fourth quarter and got bailed out by a miracle play again, deep pass in the playoffs and got bailed out once again. When you think this guy is about to go away, he gets some bounce, goes away, and now all it does is extend the mediocrity. So if this is what you want, honestly, I'm checked. I, I, I'm done with that team for this year. I'm, I, I'm just going to watch for the sake of watching. But I'm honestly over that team for this year. I'm honestly over them because as long as this guy is coaching them, that, this is what's going to happen. This is what you guys are going to get. So keep on supporting him. And then when they fire him in two years and we have to start over, oh, it's going to be a long rebuild. So I'm just letting you guys know that. But that wasn't even the only, the only thing that upset me this week. Not only that, first of all, I, I have a big gripe here because – I lost on the worst possible way. First of all, for y'all that play fantasy football, 
out there that had to go against Taysom Hill at the tight end spot. I feel for you. I'm sure a lot of you guys lost this week because ESPN, who had him as a QB slash tight end, didn't update it. They had all week. They had all week to update, take Taysom Hill changes. As soon as Drew Brees got hurt, they had a chance to take away his tight end designation and just be a quarterback because no, because I'm sure like everyone out there, most most people play on fantasy football on the ESPN app. And ESPN back in April made a rule in which they had the right for any player that had a dual designation, they had a chance, the right to change that designation. And they had a chance when Drew Brees broke his ribs last week, knowing that Taysom Hill had the possibility of being the starting quarterback. They kept his designation in there. And not only that, he got to be in the tight end slot. And so I had to go against two tight ends, two quarterbacks, I'm sorry, two quarterbacks. And that was the difference in my fantasy matchup. So ESPN, y'all fucked up with that bullshit. And not only that, I can understand if this was week three or week four. This is at the end of the coming down the stretch run in which people are trying to make playoff runs seating positioning and y'all let Taysom Hill be a tight end and let a person play a quarterback also so for y'all out there that survived that kudos to you but I'm sure there's gonna be a lot of angry people this week that lost because of that and I did lose because of that and honestly that's horseshit and that should have been changed and you're for people that play fantasy football for money you possibly cost people money with their stupid rule, you're stupid. Now you change it. It's little too little too late. Y'all let somebody play a quarterback at tight end and then let him start a quarterback. First of all, I got to give credit for those that picked up Taysom Hill weeks in advance. Big kudos to you. That was a smart pickup. But I swear to you, you honestly didn't think he was going to be able to play. When you picked him up, you weren't picking him up. You didn't know he was going to be uh, a starting quarterback and be able to start him at your tight end. ESPN, that is some bullshit. You honestly had... A whole midweek to change it. You knew Sean Payton wasn't going to name a starter. As soon as Drew Brees was ruled out, broken ribs, they put him on IR. You changed that. You changed that. That's bullshit. Now I'm out. Now if I lose, if I lose because of that, I swear, I, I, if I lose because of that, ESPN, if I miss the playoffs because of that, you owe us. You guys better do some stat corrections. You better fix that because that's some horse shit. Everybody who had to deal with that was upsetting. That's some bullshit. Whatever. Man, I'm already, oh. But anyway, that's my time for this episode. I appreciate y'all for tuning in to this episode of the Being Technical Podcast. Once again, you can stream this episode on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, on Spotify also. You can also stream this straight from the Anchor app. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, Aaron. Also, I am on Clubhouse. Y'all gonna be hearing some more shit out of me on Clubhouse. Follow me on Clubhouse, Just Being Aaron. All right, I'm out of here. Get me out of here. <laughs> Devil too close to me, devil too close to me I see my enemies turn friendly and get close to me I seen a movement from a distance, they approach me I don't trust nobody, the burner make them toast to me Used to get blessings from my grandma for I leave out for my day She the reason that I'm here, no any day could be my day Countless nights had situations that ain't almost go my way I'm still standing by my mission, I'ma do this shit my way Remember laying on my desk
breastfed I couldn't speak, my body bleeding, I was restless They stuffed them tubes down through my throat cause I was breathless My mama never left my side, she was my best friend I seen the tears run out her eyes and it was endless Ain't had no fear up in my heart, my soul was stressless He done blessed me with a chance when I was helpless I promise I would never lose and I forget this Remember me, said if I die today, know what I tried to say it's a tragedy I see them hunting niggas down there causing casualties This hell on earth, it ain't no place to raise a family I pray the Lord to see, I pray my soul to keep Say my three prayers every night before I go to sleep I know I'm never gonna get what is it supposed to be But I need changes in my life, devil too close to me Said I need changes in my life, no I need changes So many people around me but they feel like strangers Don't get too close to me, you know I get anxious I seen the devil, I hope God sent me some angels We in a crisis, walk outside and feel like we at war My block is ISIS, turn the TV on them bodies dropping We can't fight this, I survived the day but we don't treat it like it's priceless When we at them funerals, the only time we righteous Yeah I need blessings on me I know many niggas want their weapons on me I know I've been paranoid, I watch them closely But I just heard my nigga got shot by his homie Damn, that shit so cold to me Can't nobody tell me nothing, my hood still got hope in me I just want my millions, don't want nobody to notice me No killer, but no nigga getting close to me Said if I die today, know what I tried to say Straight, that shit's a tragedy I see them hunting niggas down there causing casualties This hell on earth, it ain't no place to raise a family I pray the Lord to see, I pray my soul to keep Say my three prayers every night before I go to sleep I know I'm never gonna get what is it supposed to be But I need changes in my life, devil too close to me